This is a test of the emergency podcast system. Activated by contract termination. Rumors of our demise are greatly exaggerated. Welcome to Stacy on the Right with your host, Stacy Washington. She's blessed to be a Bible reading, gun toting, Air Force veteran, wife, and mom. Righteously American. What's that sound you're hearing? Oh, <laughs> you're probably thinking, where have you been? Well, I haven't been right here. I had a lot going on, but I am here now and just in time for the ridiculousness that is them trying to legitimize their fake news witch hunt in Washington, D.C. by saying they now have cast a vote and people are in agreement that they need to impeach the president. Whatever. <laughs> that should be your response to this. Whatever, haters. They're not going to remove the president. They're not going to materially impact him. Yeah, they can sway some low info voters into thinking that something real has just happened, but they voted on the rules for impeachment. And so are we going to devote a whole show to that today? I don't think so. I don't think so. So I just want to say hey to people in the chat room. Chi, Tracy, Tammy, and Smoke. Hey, Smoke. Lightning Man 7 is up in the house. Um, and others. I can't see all of the names that are on the list on the right-hand side from this interface, but when I do log on, to the other side. I'll say hey to the rest of you as well. So Thursday, thank you so much for being here today. I'm excited. Um, I had personal life intervene for the past couple of days. So we've had a little hiatus, but I'm back and I am. Oh, Robin. Hey, Robin. Thank you so much for being here. I have been really just it's been an onslaught of activity over here, um, but it's been exciting as well. And so we're, we're now moving forward with a lot of stuff that I have been promising for months and months and months, namely the website redo that is underway for real by a huge, fantastic company that has done some amazing work on websites that I really love. I had no idea they were being worked on by the same team or that it was. Yeah. So I'm going to be a part of that uh, revolution as well with our website at StacyOnTheRight.com. Um, so visit us there. Have a good time over there. And of course, you see the logos, LiveZetTV. Make that one of your places. So it's LiveZet.com slash LiveZetTV. Um, or you can just go to LiveZet.com and click on the upper left-hand corner where it says LiveZetTV. And the drop-down menu will give you all of the hosts there, all of us. So you can just chill in with all of us. Um, so right now... What's going to be on the show today? Well, we're going to talk about this idea that Apple, some of their investors are saying, we want to keep the iPhone profitable. So we're thinking we might want to see you do a um, subscription service. Now I can tell you right now that, so there's, people keep telling me, well, it's kind of shocking when I hear someone say this because the assumption to the other direction is kind of an insult, but people say to me, oh, you're kind of tech savvy. Why do you have an iPhone? Why do you not have an Android? People will say, oh, you're, you're so intelligent. Don't you find the interface on the iPhone clunky? Don't you find that it doesn't suit your needs? Don't you feel like you... And I'm like, wow. Well, I mean, I don't think I'm the smartest person in the world, but I think I'm, you know, I, I got a brain and you're saying if I had a real brain, I'd have uh, an Android. So one way to drive me straight to the store to get an Android and make me put my phone on the market is for you to make the Apple process, the Apple universe a subscription service i'm not paying a subscription to have a phone that i've already paid for you, i mean if you understand how they've switched things you were always paying for the phone but it was on an installment plan that enabled you to have a trade-in at some point 
that enabled you to just put a little bit more money down. So they weren't making a ton of money doing it that way, so they switched it. So then they said, basically, that's not our phone. If you want it unlocked, you can get it unlocked. If you want to travel with it from one carrier to another, you can, because that's your phone. We're tired of owning these phones. So a bunch of us, you know, Americans, um, then we went on the process of buying our phones. And I've never really liked this idea that I'm paying for the phone. And by the time I get done paying for it, then it's obsolete and I need a new one. So we started putting big down payments on and then pay a few installments after that. And then the phone is paid for. And then instead of upgrading every time they bring out a new phone, I absolutely go for the you know, drive the wheels off. If you're one of those families where you drive a car until the wheels literally fall off, it's a concept that has to do with creating and maintaining wealth. People who do that tend to have higher net worths than people who buy a brand new car every two or three years. Even if you do it every five years, um, you, you're really, you're taking money out of your savings and investments to, for the privilege of driving a new car all the time. Now, I happen to be one of those people who I don't like driving an old, busted-up car, but I do think there's value in driving the car beyond, you know, when you make your last payment on it. So there's, you know, the, you have to find a place where you can live. But with these phones, these people don't, they don't know me, and I feel like I'm a member of a tribe of people, iPhone users, where the convenience of having my text messages appear on my iPad or my desktop And having access across all mediums will pale in comparison to me paying a monthly fee just to hold this thing because it has an apple on the back. They don't know me. We we will be parting ways. My and I and I happen to have a rose gold colored phone with a clear case that has a little netting thing on here. So I'm I'm particularly happy with the way this looks. But I'm sure somebody is making a case right now. Some iPhone. Uh, you know, accessory maker is right now preparing for this revolution. If Apple decides to go this route, um, they're going to find me gone. So they might as well just forget it. So I'll just go over this with you really quick. Oh, also today on the show, because I, I just launched into this Apple story. I didn't even tell you what else is on the show. You, you might be interested, right? You might be thinking, you ain't been here for two days. Do you even know how to do a show? I do. So I'm going to get all up into your trigger moment here. Um, experts claim that men are funnier than women. House approves impeachment inquiry resolution. We'll just go over the the finer details of that. It'll be super quick. Four reasons socialism is more popular among Americans than ever before. And then this Apple story, which is what we're going to do right now. Because I almost feel like, do you ever feel like when you're reading a news story that you're getting punked? That's what this feels like. This feels like somebody at at some place is like, hmm. These people, they haven't had anything to get mad about today. Um, For those who aren't in politics, who don't read political news, they don't have anything to get mad about. So let's give them something. And then they put this story out. I I just want, I want to go to to whoever's in charge, Zuckerberg or whoever, and just like elbow him really hard. You know, the way people do in roller derby. Like that's what I want to do to him. Um, So some investors want Apple to sell its iPhone on a subscription basis to shift more of Apple's revenue from transactional sales to recurring revenue. Apple CEO Tim Cook doesn't shoot down the idea during a conference call on Wednesday and suggests that Apple is working on new ways to pay for iPhones on a monthly basis. Now, again, they've already done. Let, let me let me just let's clean this up for a second. They already have a subscription based service that is in operation for your laptop and your iPad. 
And what it means is that you never have to use a device that's more than two or three years old, depending on what plan you're on. So you're truly leasing it. So instead of spending 1800 or 2700 or whatever it is for a new laptop, you pay 35 48 or $53 a month. And then when at the end of that term, you just hand them the old laptop, they transfer your stuff onto the new one, and they hand you a brand new laptop, and you can do this in perpetuity. And so your cost for owning the laptop is $43 a month, or 50, 48 or 53 And I don't know what the current rates are, but the guy at the store here, we have an actual Apple HQ store here, not like the Apple stores you see in the mall, which are the Apple stores. This is like a franchise store where they sell only Apple products. And it's owned by an individual. And he, I was in there, oh, geez, this has to have been six years ago. It might have been five years ago, whatever. I was in there, and he was telling me about this brand new, it's like Apple for Life or whatever it's called. And he said, you know, this is something that will really revolutionize the way you use your your Apple because you never have to worry about it being, um, you know, old or, or what have you any and and it comes with a warranty and of course you have to put down a deposit like a damage deposit because if you destroy it and it's not covered by insurance then you know you lose your deposit or you even have to owe them some money but whatever we're talking about if you're pay, if you're spending 48 dollars a month then it's 576 dollars for the year not including tax and if that were over three years that'd be what 17 1800 for three years so I don't see how you're really saving any money. The additional thing is you don't own it. So with my current laptop, when I bought it, the guy at the Apple store was like, well, that's a nice laptop, but I'm wondering, you know, if you're not going to be interested in Apple for life because you're buying, you know, you think about the money that you're spending. And he said, in three years, if you do Apple for life, you'll have a brand new one and you never have to worry about like it going obsolete. Well, what he didn't, I guess, realize at the time is that they haven't actually redesigned or added any new features to the MacBook Pro, plain old MacBook Pro, not the, the Air or the, the thin, whatever, the, the regular MacBook Pro. They haven't added or subtracted any new features or made any real changes uh, to that device. So the one that I would be getting in three years would be very much the same one that I had before, except I don't even think the processing speeds have changed, but I could be wrong. In any case, I've had this one, I think, for five years. So I've more than, like every year that I keep it, the actual cost to own it goes down. And if it's truly a value item that you're using for work, you're writing it off the expenditure, but the longer you keep it, the more valuable it is to you over time because the cost goes down. So it depends on how you look at it, but if you're using it for personal use, it's an especially tricky place to put yourself in where you're basically saying, I pay for, you know, however much gas you use at your house, like if you're on natural gas or electricity or whatever your your household utilities are, you're treating this almost like a utility that you're paying for it in perpetuity on a monthly basis, as opposed to something that you purchase and use to the maximum amount of its ability and then get a new one. So it, it is much more of a problem for younger people wanting to have the latest and greatest and newest thing. But as we get older, you want to be more prudent with your funds. And I just think that's kind of a crazy amount of money, you know, 576 bucks a year, or you just put your put your pennies in a jar or in the bank or wherever and save and then purchase it outright when it's time to buy it. So the quote from Tim Cook, one of them is, he says, we're cognizant that there are lots of users out there that want a sort of a recurring payment like that. 
What fools are out there just hoping they can have another recurring payment? Maybe, maybe people who have tons and tons of money. So they're talking about Apple investors who really have been keeping this a hot topic for a number of years. And under the argument for an iPhone subscription, which some people call Apple Prime after the Amazon program of the same name, Apple would bundle hardware upgrades with services such as iCloud storage or Apple TV Plus content and hardware for a single monthly fee. This would let it switch iPhone sales from a transactional model to a subscription model, potentially driving the stock price up without having to increase product sales or prices dramatically. So it's almost like they're trying to rearrange the chairs on the Titanic. Now, I'm not saying they're going down like the Titanic did, like they're about to die, but clearly they see some earnings problems here if they're trying to make this the new thing that they're going to do. And I don't see where they're adding any value for me. Are you saying Apple TV Plus and iCloud storage are supposed to make me want to pay a subscription fee for my phone that I've already paid for? It's already paid off. Why would I want, who wants Apple TV? That's a whole nother article that somebody over at CNBC.com should write. We found eight people in America, a country of 320 million, who want Apple TV. Okay, so there was a earnings call this this Wednesday yesterday when analyst Tony Sanagi, uh, sorry Sakanagi, asked about the idea of a Prime subscription, and Apple CEO Tim Cook did not shoot down the idea. He suggested that something like it was already in effect. He said, in terms of hardware as a service or as a bundle, if you will, there are customers today that essentially view the hardware like that because they're on upgrade plans and so forth. So to some degree, that exists today. He went on to say, using bullish language, that Apple sees it as a major growth area. Quote, my perspective is that it will grow in the future to larger numbers. It will grow disproportionately. Now, usually what Apple does is they'll announce smaller programs laying the groundwork for new things. And services along these lines for years, basically kind of priming people for the change that is to come. In 2015, Apple started to let people pay for iPhones on a monthly basis instead of all at once, throwing in a warranty and upgrades as part of the deal. The iPhone upgrade program bundles Apple Care warranty and up-to-date hardware. Users can upgrade to the newest iPhone after paying for 12 months. So some people are already doing this. But I, the reason it's so foreign to me is that in my mind... so. That's why I don't have the iPhone X or the even the newest ones that come out. Because when a phone costs $1,100, that's way more than an iPad. And that's approaching the cost of a laptop. Then I have to wonder if I'm going to transition over to that phone usage exclusively for all the other stuff I use my laptop for because of the exorbitancy of that cost. So I don't know if other people think about it that way. But for me, these are all business products, things that I use in the course of my business. <laughs> Richard Le- Layton in the chat room says, I'm rather appalled at how much I'm paying for mine a month. <laughs> yeah, that's why I changed myself around a little bit here. All right, we'll be back in a minute. Stay right there.
Hey, welcome back. Uh, you know what? So in the chat room, people are saying, uh, Chi is saying it's quite a tall order to change education system that's wholly controlled by the 60s and 70s radicals that stayed in academia while the rest of us went to work. But, you know, I think one of the things you can do is, so we have a choice where we send our kids to go to school. And the discussions that we had around here were, it, it was it was just so cut and dried. First of all, it had to do with cost. Second, because we told the kids, you can go anywhere you want to, but this is the amount of money that we have for you on a yearly basis to go to college. Anything above this, and that's the total cost, room, board, books, et cetera. We also told them we expected them to contribute. You're working over the summer um, at, at a you know little retail job or what have you, and you can take that money and you can do whatever you want with it as long as you have enough money to pay for your spending money during the school year. So you have to contribute that. And then we're expecting them to bring in some kind of scholarship money or merit money. It doesn't have to be, you know, we, we didn't say it has to be this number or that, you know, it just had to be that they worked hard enough to get something. All of the schools offer something, so we knew they were all, all going to have something to put put towards it. But if you say to your kid, oh, you know, you make the grades and we'll send you anywhere you want, you're putting yourself on the hook for some of these, the, a lot of these colleges, they're, I'm telling you, $70,000, dollars $90,000 a year. And what your kid is getting at these, these well-known named universities is even more aggressive liberal education because the liberals want those uh, prestigious Ivy League type schools, the, the the schools that have all the name recognition, they want those to be the tip of the spear for the indoctrination that they're trying to finish off with your kid. So even if you choose a state school where you're thinking there should be a lot of common sense in the education there, you know what you're getting? There's still a lot of garbage because the professors who can't get hired at the bigger, fancier schools They'll go to the state schools because they want the indoctrination to be complete. They want to catch all of the kids. The STEM schools where you would think if you're learning math and science and technology and engineering, there wouldn't be a lot of room for indoctrination because math can't be a tool of indoctrination. Well, you've seen what they've said. They've said that math is racist. And therefore, since math is racist, you know, you need to learn a little bit of indoctrination with it. So it's it's an uh, an issue of being ever vigilant as parents. And it can be daunting, but it's not more than we can handle. If it was more than we can handle, God wouldn't allow us to to go through it as Christians. So we can do it. We just have to say that it's as important to us that the children that we have go to a school that is affordable and will not leave them drowning in debt as it is that we pay attention to their courses and what they're learning so that we can counteract some of the effects of what's going on there. And in the end, we know we've prayed over the situation and we're trusting God and that he is not going to allow his word to return void. So that word you've prayed over your kids, the word you've spoken over your kids, the word you're still praying and speaking over your kids and that you're maybe you're like me. I'm a, a devotion buddy. I share devotion. If I read a devotion that's just smoking good, I'll, I'll send it in our little group chat. And I was talking to another mom today and she was saying that, one of her kids had given the other kid some really good advice and that kid thought that the sibling didn't take the advice because he didn't get a text message back. He didn't get a text message back, but the advice was not only taken, but it was well received. And the sibling was telling other people, oh, my brother said I should do X. And it was a fantastic way of, of kind of 
buck, bucking us all up. We need to be bucked up because we think if we don't get a text message back that the message wasn't received. Well, you don't always get confirmation, but don't hesitate to send it out. If you've got something you want to share, whether whether it's just a scripture or a short devotional that you read, whatever it is, just share it anyway. Share it. Don't 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 be afraid to share it. And if you're not getting text back with you like love emojis, that's okay too. Maybe maybe they're too busy to to text back or maybe they're they're like I don't want to encourage this if I text back too enthusiastically, she'll send me eight of these a day. You never know what they're thinking, but send it anyway. Uh, so that was, mm, there's a couple of different stories on here I want to get to. Uh, okay. So I mentioned the house approving the impeachment inquiry. Here's the, the, the summation of what they've done. There are no rules for the white house so far in the impeachment inquiry. So they're supposed to share ground rules for everyone so that everyone knows how they're operating for subpoenas and everything else. They haven't done that. They have just simply said, president Trump is guilty and you need to help us make sure that he is, you know, impeached. Uh, This is only being done to prevent the president from being reelected as they've already admitted. And, Grisham, the White House spokesperson, said she doesn't think that the messaging is going to change because they released the transcript weeks ago in order to exonerate the president. If anybody wants to look at it, they if anybody decides to look at it, they'll see that nothing was done that was wrong. And the Ukrainian government has said there was no pressure there. Aid money was released. The message was simple. The president had concerns about releasing foreign aid, as he does with many countries, until there's no corruption and to make sure that burden sharing with other countries occurs. That's what the money is for, to induce people to do what we want. So there is no reason to impeach the president other than to prevent him from finishing out the mission that he undertook three years ago, which was draining the swamp. Actually, four years ago, because he was on the campaign and he announced he wanted to drain the swamp. And our president has done a valiant effort in doing that so far. And if he were given a second term, the primary blow to the the Democrats who get most of their legislative victories through the Supreme Court would be the complete changing of the Supreme Court to a more conservative body, not to mention they uh they they're they're going to have a lot of trouble ramming through their social experimentation at the judicial level all over the country where the president has succeeded in putting in, I think we're up to 180 judges now. Uh, So, you know, this is the kind of stuff they did under cover of darkness when the Republicans weren't in power. They were packing the courts full of judges who want to change America into a communist state. And these people don't even hide their contempt for taxpayers, Americans, citizens, people who wear jeans, people who live outside of major cities, people who... um, Put, send their kids to the military. These judges hate everything that is normal America. They only like big city, debauched America. And so um, they've, they're, they're really spinning around uh, like cats with their tails on fire trying to figure out what they can do. And they feel like the impeachment is their only way of getting this done. And so I just, I want to encourage everybody. First off, nothing is over yet. The election is not over yet. And every time we pray about this issue, we're speaking to the one who makes the decision ultimately. So don't stop praying. That's number one. Um, 
that's job one for us. So when I say that uh, it's not over, it's not over. So let's keep doing the thing that we're called as Christians to do, which is to pray Um, and to pray without ceasing. So we're praying about this. We're praying about other issues. We're praying for those who are elected in authority over us. We're praying for these local politicians. You know, if that's not enough, you already have your family and your kids to pray for, and you're praying for your own walk with God, that he would draw you in closer. I mean, there's this plenty to plenty. So if you're a talker, you got plenty to talk about to Jesus. Okay. Um, so I told you about this story and I think it's a great way to end the show because I want to end on a high note. I have, I've just had, I'm serious, the busiest, couple of days and the exhaustion has been so real. And I was thinking today, I'm like, I got to get behind the mic. I got to get back behind the mic. And and I was concerned that I wasn't going to make it back on here. But here I am. So I made it. Um, so if you're feeling a little exhausted and unable to like push through, you got it. You got this. You can and will do it. So um, just keep putting one foot in front of the other. This story I thought was pretty funny. It's in the Daily Mail. So the Brits the stories from the Brits. Um, it says, who gets the last laugh? Scientists claim that men are funnier than women. Psychologists reviewed 28 past studies that rated the humor of 5,000 people. On average, men appear to be funnier than women, the researchers reported. <laughs> However, the findings do not suggest that all men are funnier than all women. The greats like Tina Fey and Joan Rivers are funnier than 99% of men. So can we just for one second here, why are we constantly comparing men and women as if men and women are interchangeable? Why is it that our current cultural um, situation is that Instead of comparing men to other men and women to other women because we're uniquely gifted and qualified to do certain things and we're complementary, not the same, why is it that we can't have that situation going on where we actually understand that, look, we have something going on here in comparing to each other that pits us against each other and takes away from what we can accomplish as men and as women and then as groups of people together. I don't get it. I really don't get it. I don't know what I'm, what, I don't know what I'm going to do. Um, so the battle of the sexes is no laughing matter, especially when it comes to the age old argument of who's funnier. Science, according to these researchers, has finally settled the score. The investigations judge participants' sense of humor by asking them to write an amusing caption to go with the cartoon. The researchers caution that the findings do not suggest that all men are funnier than all women, blah, blah, blah. The findings have left some women comedians feeling put out of humor. Now, I'm not going to read these profanity-laced comments because I don't think they're, they're worth our consideration. But psychologist Jill Greengross of Wales Abertswith University and colleagues from the University of North Carolina at Greensboro reviewed the 28 past studies that investigated how funny participants, 5,057 of them in total, actually were. They wanted to determine whether the stereotype that men are innately funnier than women had any grounding in reality. The stereotype is shared by both men and women, but of course, just because it exists doesn't mean it's true. In many of the studies into humor, participants are asked to write a witty caption for a cartoon 
And these witty captions are anonymized, meaning you can't tell who wrote it, and then rated by independent judges. Now, according to Dr. Greengross, the findings reveal that, to the best of our knowledge on average, men appear to have a higher human produ- humor production ability than women. Having ruled out the existence of confounding factors like participant age or nationality, the team found that 63% of men are funnier than the average woman. <laughs> so I got to say, that, make, that makes me laugh because... So how many times, and I know I shouldn't, I shouldn't read the comments, you guys, but I still do often. I'll, if comments are on an article, I will go down and I'll just skim through them. And I do find that the comments that have the male avatars on them, they are just funnier. Okay. And if you look at who some of the meme creators are right now, like on Twitter, who are the chief meme creators? Most of them are guys. Um, if you look at the people who are the funniest when it comes to like making speeches that are laced with humor, guys, um, I think the funniest radio hosts that I know, all guys. Uh, so it's it's interesting that this is the way that they found this cracked out when it's captions, because it means that you didn't have to be funny in person. You didn't have to put on a performance. You just had to write a caption that you thought was funny underneath a cartoon and then send it off for the researcher to review. So there was no performance aspect to it. Um, But even with performances, the men tend to be funnier. Now, Dr. Greengrass also said that there's uh, evidence that suggests that humor plays a major role in what he calls mating. And women who bear heavier costs of reproduction are typically more discriminating when it comes to picking a mate. And humor is a good proxy for intelligence, which remains a desirable quality in a partner and would have been more crucial. Oh, hunter-gatherer evolution garbage. So men prefer women who laugh at their humor, which may be a reason why men are so concerned with being funny, because they know if they're funny and they can make a woman laugh, that they will be more attractive. Um, Every man I've ever met that's made me laugh I have thought of them more highly than men who don't make me laugh. That's just a fact. (laughs) All right. It was great to be back with you today. I'll see you tomorrow right here. Same station, same bad channel. Have a great night.